Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 58th program of Think Again, our 16th remote program in the time of the coronavirus. This program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative. We have been around, we have been dedicated to social change for over 20 years, meanwhile. I'm Jacques Boulet, and Jennifer will not be with us today. But I'll be talking with Kate Weller, Executive Officer of Community Information and Support Victoria, or CISVIC for short. CISVIC is the peak body for community information and support services in Victoria. Live and podcast listeners may recall that I interviewed her in late March at the beginning of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, We talked about the effects of our government's attempt at containing the coronavirus, the effects on volunteering in the welfare sector. So thanks for joining Think Again again, Kate. (laughs) It's my pleasure. Lovely to be with you again, Jacques. So today we're having a conversation about Centrelink payments, payments like unemployment benefits, which we used to call Newstart, as listeners will remember, but we now call Job Seeker. Just starting with a bit of background for that. According to experts, the poverty line in Australia sits at 480 to $500 per week for a single person with no children, including housing costs. For those not in the know, the poverty line was the result of the Henderson Poverty Inquiry, which happened almost 50 years ago now, in 1973. And it has since been used, even if often ignored, to help orient uh, welfare payments, the level of payment and so on, across the board. Admittedly, quite imperfectly. Before the COVID crisis, Unemployment benefits were about $280 per week, $280 per week, so well below the poverty line of $480 to $500 a week. That, excuse me, that $280 was meant to cover housing, food bills, health care, and all living costs. As probably everyone would realize, $280 per week barely covers housing for many, especially those renting in the private housing market. In fact, unemployment benefits have not increased in real terms for 25 years, while the cost of housing has skyrocketed. We have often commented in Think Again on the inequality consequences of neoliberal policies, of which this is one. It transfers wealth to the wealthiest and increases inequality by a factor of 20 over the last 40 years. By necessity, a lot of people on Newstart, as well as on youth allowance and other Centrelink payments, have depended on emergency relief from support agencies to survive, including help with food, bills, transport, phone cards, clothes, and school costs for children. 
with the coronavirus, people on certain Centrelink payments like JobSeeker became eligible for the coronavirus supplement, an additional fortnightly payment of $550 per week. Whilst that, that sounds rather good and well, we wanted to have a bit of a better understanding of how all of that works out on the ground. And we're better to go than meet remotely with Kate Weller, the executive officer, as I said before, of Community Information and Support Victoria or CISVIC. So first, Kate, to start off, can you remind our listeners of what CISVIC does and tell us how CISVIC and its member agencies are going with the coronavirus and the shutdown? What have been some of the challenges and how are you responding to them? Thanks, Jack. Um, so CISVIC is peak body representing local community information support services and we've got over uh, 60 sites across um, metropolitan Melbourne and Victoria and our role as peak body is to help local communities help local people. So our local centres is where that local support is provided. Um, the local centres provide information, referral, advocacy and support services which, as you mentioned, includes emergency relief. Um, but it also includes other services like personal counselling, financial counselling, no-interest loans, tax help and a whole range of other services. So um, emergency relief is one of the really critical programs that we offer um, mm -hmm. and it, as it provides immediate financial support to people. So um, I guess the, <laughs> the um, Centrelink... Uh, payment issue has been something there for for a long time. The um, the Centrelink payment levels meant that that people on Newstart and News Allowance have been living below poverty, um, below the poverty line. So I think for us, the the shutdown, um, COVID, and the the associated shutdown has meant that overnight we had to um, close our services for face to face delivery. Um, and we've been operating um, services remotely, so working um, on the phones with our clients. We were, of course, immediately really worried about our clients who were on those payments and how they were going to um, struggle with lockdown, but, you know, really pleased when the government um, initiated the increase to um, to those payments. Mm. Um what um, the challenge for us has been during this time is that um, we do rely on a volunteer workforce to deliver emergency relief right across Australia, um, mm -hmm. and we essentially lost that volunteer workforce overnight. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've seen is that the community has really rallied um, to, in response to the COVID crisis. Um, we've had our local centres be um, overwhelmed with community donations, people and volunteers, so people in the local community who are wanting to reach out and support people. Um, and that's been, you know, a really positive outcome. But so while we've um, needed to provide less support to, you know, our more kind of traditional service users, there has been um, a number of new clients, people who have lost jobs as, as um, related to COVID um, mm -hmm. and who have reaching out to our services for the first time in their lives. And mm -hmm. we've also mm -hmm. seen you know, really big increases of people um, seeking asylum and international students who, are, who have been left absolutely destitute because they have no source of income. Mm, yeah, yeah. And we have seen 
the importance of the community reaction with the towers shut down recently. Mm. And it was only since the moment, or from the moment that the community came in, that it really, really started to work. Uh, yeah. The three first days were an absolute disaster, really. So going back to Centrelink payments pre-COVID, what can you tell us about people who were tra- trying to live on about $280 per week pre-COVID? Can you talk a bit yeah. about their solution or the situation and why they yeah. needed to come to CISVIC agencies for help? Yeah. So for us, um, it was a dev- devastating time for many people. Um, living on $40 a day mm-hmm. really meant people couldn't live. Um, people couldn't afford to pay rent. They couldn't pay for car repairs. They couldn't pay for registration. They couldn't pay for public transport or put petrol in their cars. They were struggling to um, pay for school costs. It was like every element of their life was was hardship. Um, They were in a constant state of financial hardship. Um, So this this has really been... um, uh, a def, you know, it was really, really been a very difficult time with, you know, no effective increase to the, to those levels of income in decades. Um, we've really just seen people in a constant state of financial crisis, and you know, this has all kinds of impacts on their mental health and well-being as well. So it's not just about going hungry; it's about being socially isolated, being excluded mm. from mainstream society. Um, it's really it's really been very difficult for the community sector to support people on job start or job seeker and um, youth allowance in the last 20 so years. Mm-hmm. So it goes back 20 years, you would say? So yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds... Sounds quite drastic, actually, and uh, for some people, therefore. But we come back to that after a break. Uh, for some people, it may actually have been uh, a relief to get the, uh, the the COVID supplement, would it? Oh, most definitely. It's ch- mm. it's changed people's lives. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. Let's uh, just have a little of a break, a little bit of a break after all of <laughs> that accumulation of bad bad things. One of my favourites, Tracy Chapman, talking about a revolution and then followed by a promo. Don't you know talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know Talking about a revolution It sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know Talking about a Gonna rise up and get their share. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, run, run?
If you care for a friend or someone in your family with disability, a medical condition, or who is elderly, Carer Gateway can help you get free support. Carer Gateway has lots of services to help carers. There's counselling, financial and peer support, and online courses that you can do at your own pace. They also have respite services to help you look after the person you care for while you take a break. Call Carer Gateway on 1800 422 737 or visit the website carergateway.gov.au. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jacques Boulet and I hope that Jennifer is listening because today I'm talking with Kate Weller, Executive Officer at CISFIC. We're talking about the need to raise Centrelink payments for good and not just for COVID periods. Kate, we've heard a lot about shaming of people on unemployment and other Centrelink benefits by politicians and in the media. It's often suggested that they are lazy, don't want to work, that they're at fault somehow for being dependent on Centrelink. What would you say to those people? Um, I guess my, one of my first um, thoughts is that this is a failure of society, that we don't have a, um, you know, a system where people can get jobs. Um, it's a failure of the market. People are locked out of the employment market for a whole range of reasons. But um, essentially what we see for people who are living on unemployment benefits, they are living in a constant state of financial crisis. There's so much instability for them um, about their their capacity to meet their daily living costs, to pay their rent, to buy food, that it's really difficult to even think about doing something like Finding a job when you um, don't have the um, the money to pay for a ticket to get to a job interview, when you don't have decent clothes to wear, when you're not sure if you're going to still be living in the same house that you're living this week because you might be evicted because you're behind in the rent. So, you know, when people are in a constant state of financial crisis, that has an enormous impact on their capacity to um, to to think about um, looking for work, but. No, I think it's important too that to mention that there is there has been such a change in the job market with the casualisation of the workforce. There's so much instability um, and insecurity for people um, who who do get that kind of work. And the reality is that there's one job for every 13 job seekers. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, we've seen people who when they are locked out of the job market, they feel hopeless, they feel disempowered, they lack confidence, and every day is a battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Mm. We wanted to speak with you 
following on from what you just said about the effects of the current coronavirus supplement introduced for a six-month period, which is supposed to end in September and currently under review. That brings people on unemployment benefits, now called job seeker, to about $1,100 per fortnight. That raises many above the poverty line for the first time probably in their lives. For people who lost well-paid jobs, this will be a drop. But for people already on unemployment benefits, I'm guessing it has made quite a difference for the better. Mm, What's your thoughts? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. We're we're hearing from um, people who who feel like their lives have been transformed. Mm. Um, They've talked about um, feeling more confident, feeling empowered. They um, have been able to pay rent arrears and so the threat of eviction isn't hanging over their heads. They've been able to pay a car registration um, and uh, put food on the table, have three meals a day. You know, these are kinds of things that we, um, you know, have the privilege of being employed, take for granted. But if you've had to live on um, on unemployment benefits, this has been a constant issue. So um, it's, it's made an enormous difference. You know, we've heard... Um, people who have said that for the first time in years they've been able to buy themselves a new winter coat, that they um, have, as the days are growing colder, they've been able to turn the heater on with confidence that they are going to be able to afford to pay the next bill. Um, so, And one of, I think, one of the really kind of stirring comments that, that I've read was that a, um, one of our service users felt that um, they realised that their family wasn't going to be forgotten during this crisis, that they weren't going to be left alone in the cold, that, that, that society was looking after them. And I think that, that that has been one of, you know, the issues here. So it has been really important not just to lift people out of poverty, but to help them feel that society is looking after them. And that's what our welfare system is about. It's about us looking after those that, um, that for no fault of their own, um, are not able to... Uh, to engage in the job market or, you know, have enough money to look after themselves. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> mm. I, certainly, I certainly hope that the Prime Minister and the uh, Treasurer are listening to this and they now have a little bit of time uh, to think about all of that because we go to a promo. On Saturday, July 18th, between 1 and 4 p.m., 3CR will be broadcasting the Smith Street Dreaming Retrospective, an afternoon looking back over the past seven years of the Smith Street Dreaming Festival. Hosted by Viv Mailer and Dave Arden, past performers and special community guests will share their stories, the history and music of the annual Smith Street Dreaming Festival. Supported by the Smith Street Working Group, City of Yarra and 3CR Community Radio. This Saturday, the 18th, at 1pm on your community radio station, 3CR. Smith Street Dreaming. One street, many mobs, one community. Welcome back. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 on 8... Uh, 3CR 855am on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. 
I'm Jacques Boulay, and today I'm speaking with Kate Weller, Executive Officer of CISVIC, about the need to raise Centrelink payments on a permanent basis. Kate, I mentioned that the coronavirus supplement uh, and what to do about Centrelink payments is currently under review by the federal government. Well, what would you like to see happen? Um, we joined um, the voice of ACOS and many community organisations across Australia and are calling for the, um, the level of um, income for, for job seeker and youth allowance to, to be maintained at current levels. So we never want to go back to um, people having to live on $40 a day. Mm. Um, there was a Senate inquiry that... Um, in 2019, uh, which was looking at the adequacy of New Start payments. So this is pre-COVID, pre-health and economic crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this um, inquiry found that that there needed to be an immediate review of income support system to ensure that all recipients do not have to live in poverty. And amongst other recommendations about the the welfare safety net. So you know the, they, the government already knew this. Um, so, you know, we're joining the voice of VCOS and all community a uh, agencies across Australia to say we need to raise the rate for good. This needs to be a permanent increase. The stimulus package during the health crisis has been critical um, to help see us through. But if we start to um, wind back those supports that have been put in place um, of JobSeeker um, effective in doubling and the um, JobKeeper payments, we're really concerned about um, the economic impact on individuals and families across Australia and um, the, the demand that will be put on services like ours to support them. Mm. 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 Particularly also looking at the individuals we're talking about rather than only thinking around uh, the GDP and those kind of more global figures don't you? Yeah. I'd like to end sort of uh, our conversation with a few words about the need to start refunding community development programs and projects. You mentioned just before that uh, the communities where in which your member organizations operate, they have been magnificent in getting to work and complementing the little bits which you as an organization could do. If anything, the Towers episode in which public housing tenants were confronted by police and confined, technically really detained in their high-rise apartments without notice to contain a coronavirus outbreak. And mm. once that they uh, were invited to or were, were that their demands to participate in the rescue were actually uh, heeded, that then and even the uh, commission, the, the what's his name, the uh, the uh, health, the health chief of Victoria had to acknowledge that that was the time when it started to work again. So it's, mm -hmm. it illustrated and demonstrated that as soon as they positively became involved, things started to go okay. Brett Sutton acknowledged it in the Guardian on Monday last. I'm wondering if this could be an opportunity to seriously start considering community development again, not just as an illness or pandemic preventative measure, but generally for people's true physical, mental and relational health, and not mm. to speak of actually giving them a voice again. Any thoughts about this, Kate? Because I know we talked about that years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and look, I think those kinds of images that we saw around that hard lockdown were really confronting for people. And 
Um, and there was this sense of real, um, of there being a community that had no voice. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that they were putting signs in their windows, they were trying desperately to have a voice. And I think, mm-hmm. I think what, um, what's true to say is everyone in our society should have a voice no matter where they live, no matter what income status they have, no matter what their cultural background. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, um, what we do find is that there need there have needed to be community advocates to help that voice be heard. Mm. Um, and there are lots of community organisations doing effective engagement with various community groups. Um, mm. And that kind of working with community alongside community is really important. And I think the fact that um, mm. that the engagement with people in those lockdown towers it was enhanced as soon as the community services sector was involved demonstrates that it's not something mm. that government has done well mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the community sector has been a really important player in ensuring that those voices are heard and That's that right. we're working with community alongside community. Mm. Thank you, Kate, so much for joining us today and to, to, again, let the voice of those who are usually not heard being heard in our programs, since the number yeah. of voices making this point seems to be multiplying and since it also seems that the responses of PM and Treasury have become ever more ambiguous, if you, dear listeners, want to support and strengthen the campaign to raise Centrelink payments for good, can you go online, go to the raisetherate.org.au, raise the rate, one word, .org.au, or otherwise just bring your local federal MP and tell them why it is important. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. I am Jacques Boulet and was joined by Kate Weller from SISVIC today. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands. Borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We would also like to thank uh, Leanne for helping put the program together today yet again, whilst Kate and I connected by phone and remotely. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yoto Hindu. Looking for you. 